You are listening to an official podcast from Kings of Europe, your football link to the European Super Leagues. Welcome back to the Kings of Europe podcast, your showcase into top flight European football. We're covering the top five leagues for you, UEFA Champions League, Europa League, and of course, everything to do with Europe's top players. I am your host, Cody Smith, and I am not alone as we never are. And to my left, not, well, not actually to my left, but if, um, if you were on my left, would be sitting Stan. Stan is a uh, family member of mine from the Four Fields of Anfield Road podcast family. Stan, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight, sir? Doing awesome, Critty. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Absolutely. And to my, wait, you're on my left or my right? Did I say that? No, you're on my right. Okay, on my left is my friend Jack. Uh, Jack is a, is a, uh, one, of the, uh, one part of the two-man uh, FT Shotkit podcast. It is the only English-speaking FT Shotkit podcast. And I was a guest on their show this past week. Fantastic show. Um, they cover everything FC Schalke and Rufia. Um, as a Dortmund supporter, um, uh, quite a fine little blue team, if I do say so myself. And uh, yeah, second place in the Bundesliga this season. Jack, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing well. It was a pleasure to have you on our pod, and I'm uh, pleased to be with you tonight. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I hope you guys have your beers and your bourbons ready. Um, of course, of course. <laughs> Do you want to talk about what we're drinking or no? Yeah, I'm actually drinking a uh, Coast Brewing uh, Blackbeard, and that is an Imperial Stout uh, right here, brewed in Charleston, South Carolina. Actually, only about two miles from my house, and it is fantastic. I will be uh, getting the bullet out later. Stan, what you got? Um, okay, so I like to hashtag drink local, as you guys know, <laughs> may or may not know. Um I am drinking from Double Nickel. It's called, get ready for this, boys, Mega Dank 420 Kush Daddy Supreme. That sounds delicious. Okay. Yeah, it really is, though. It's a, uh, it's we a get dank. It, you smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can either confirm or deny. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a pale ale. It's, a, it's an IPA. Uh, it comes in pounders, and it's a 7 percenter. So uh, Nice. Let's go. I like that. Uh, Jack, you got anything? Well, currently I'm drinking uh, H2O because I wasn't aware that we are going to have this uh, little alcohol segment. But what I'm going to for currently, to continue with this drink level theme, uh, if I was drinking a beer at the moment, I would be drinking um, a little crazy from Revolution in Chicago. It is a, uh, a Belgian IPA hybrid. Nice. Quite good. Belgian IPA hybrid. That sounds tasty. It does, actually. Look it up. Maybe I'll send you some. Hmm. 
You guys are getting me. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go to maybe an IPA, man. You guys are talking about hops. I like it. Pretty, don't get started, man. You're <laughs> gonna throw us all under the table. Well, he was talking about more than hops, I think. But uh... <laughs> also, I do want to give a shout out, uh, Stan, to our friend Helen. Uh, Helen is a friend of ours on uh, Twitter, and she has done a fantastic job of promoting all things for that's uh, Fields of Anfield Road, Foresight.com, also uh, the Kings of Europe podcast. And I did want to give her a shout out because she's done a fantastic job of spreading the word and getting everyone out. I want to thank all of our listeners last week. Last week was the debut show. We hit, uh, I believe, 800 downloads last week uh, for a first show. That was, it just blew my mind. I, I really, for everyone who listened, uh, my heart goes out to you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, make sure to shout out the captain, Hendo, Jordan Henderson. She loves that. Uh, she's actually a big Lovren fan, if you actually pay attention to her. <laughs> Wait, who? Wait, uh, who fan? She, uh, Helen is a Lovren fan. Oh, well, she's, uh, she's always talked to me about fucking Hendo, so I don't know. All right, whatever. Yeah, All right. Great segue. Great segue, because we're going to talk... <laughs> All right, guys, we're actually going to hit, uh, we're going to get to the, to the business end of things real quick. Um, the Champions League draws came out last Friday, and um, I think everyone was looking for the sexy matchups that we got. I think that uh, as Liverpool fans, I think they were happy with Roma. I think it's a fresh matchup. I don't think um, it's been quite a while since those two teams played in Europe. Uh, I think... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was the 80s the last time they actually crossed paths in, in uh, the Champions League. Um, and Bayern Munich faces their old friends, Real Madrid, the one team they just cannot beat. So let's dive right in real quick to Roma and Liverpool. Um, I'm going to give you guys each kind of a, we're going to have this thing kind of conversation style and, and um, you know, just be polite, butt in or throw a beer bottle if you want. But um Stan, starting with you, since Liverpool is uh, near and dear to your heart, how did what do you think about this draw? And what do you think? Do you think Liverpool should be um, cautious, or do you think because the first leg is in Anfield, it's just all systems go, just keep on like they did at City? Um, okay, so I've 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 tried to assess this as patiently and. Logically, as possible. Mm -hmm. um, with the approach they took versus City, it was great. City is the type of team that you attack. Um, as far as how you would attack a Roma side that is a very good counter-attacking club, and let's face it, Critty, we still have those gaps at the back that we've talked about time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. Um with everything, with 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 Lovren being uh, Dijon Lovren forming a great partnership with VVD, I think Lovren uh, he did come off hurt over the weekend versus Bournemouth, so maybe we sit him down this weekend coming up. Um, and with all of that being said, uh, I do believe it is imperative that we do not go all out. You know what I mean? It's not we can't have the hey, let's have Ox just go right through the channels. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have those channels. Um, you have Nangolin, you have uh, the Rossi, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's, a, there's a decent back line there. There's also a decent, a very solid midfield for AS Roma. Mm -hmm. um, 
yes, they did concede uh, a bounty of goals. Oh, well, actually, those were own goals, mind you. But still, those gaps were there for the taking versus Barcelona in the first leg. But as we saw in their historic comeback, it's, it's it, I don't I don't care. It's historic. Um, in their historic comeback, um, they shut shit down. They shut it down. Mm-hmm. Shut it down. Let's go home. And with Alisson, uh, Alisson Becker, uh, between the pipes. I, I'm not saying that he's world class, but he's definitely right up there. So I believe that we should approach, Liverpool should approach with caution. Um, and I say that for both Jurgen Klopp. I say that for the players. And I also say that for supporters because there's been a huge amount of disrespect. Um, uh, granted to Roma because of the fact that they aren't a big name. They're not a big name club, but if you make the final four of the UEFA Champions League, I'm sorry, uh, I, I, you deserve all the respect in the world from me. Um, but you don't think they're you don't think they're you don't think they're a big name club. I mean, they're they uh, you know they they obviously to me, I, I said on last week's podcast that I do consider them a top five Serie A side. I consider them right there with uh, Lazio and Fiorentina, kind of between four and six. But they had one of the greatest players to ever lace up a pair of boots in Francesco Totti. So I think that um, I, I, I don't want to... That's a legend. <laughs> Definitely. I don't want to... I don't want to diminish what they've done this season. They're, to me, they're always the little brother that can't win the Scudetto. But I, I may be unfair... I guess just by saying really Napoli sort of reemerged in the last three or four years, it's been a three, it's been Inter, it's been AC Milan, it's been Juventus. Those are your three massive uh, Italian sides. And with the decline in the last couple of years of of Inter and Milan, it's allowed teams like Roma and Lazio to reestablish themselves. But so I think a lot of people get a bad taste in their mouth from like the Bayern drubbing that Roma got a couple of years ago. I believe it was seven to one or seven to two or something like that. And you know, um, I don't, I don't want to say that they're that they're. Do you really believe that they're a small club? What I would say about that is that I mean I think maybe Liverpool at the moment is more on the forefront of the international footballing consciousness than Roma. Mm-hmm. But in terms of these teams position relative to the the rest of the leagues that they're in i think they're actually pretty comparable um in terms of the way they've been performing over recent seasons and kind of where they sit in the table and you know tend to where they finish so i think they're pretty comparable you know uh to to their own leagues and uh the one thing i will say is i think it's phenomenal that both of these teams are as far in this tournament as they are not that i necessarily have anything against city or barcelona even though i do but um (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's just great to get some fresh blood um, instead of seeing kind of the same three or four teams in it at the very end, year in, year out. I mean, Bayern and Real are obviously very familiar faces, but this is, I think, going to be um, – this is refreshing for me at least, and I think it is probably for a lot of people. And then as far as what Sam was saying, I, I, I actually agree. Um, I, I think in terms of the midfield, I think Roma is a much more physical in the midfield um, than, than City was, and it will be interesting to see if they can muck things up a little bit, get a little physical, and potentially not Liverpool – uh, not let Liverpool run as much as they were against City. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. I, I do favor Liverpool in it, but I, I don't think it's going to be maybe as much as a cakewalk as, as people are anticipating. Jack, um, well, one, one second. I want because I want both y'all's opinion. I want both y'all's opinions on this. Uh, first thing I want to talk about and get your opinion on is: Do we believe in our heart of hearts? Um, do we believe in our heart of hearts, Stan, that 
what Roma did to Barcelona was just, wasn't that kind of like a nice 1980s white snake one-hit wonder? Wasn't that really just a, a kind of a, 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 Roma's never done this before, so why should we believe they can do it again? I, I, I could see a 3 nil, uh, 3-0 drubbing at Anfield yet again, much like they got at the uh, Camp Nou, and... Do we really believe that Roma have it in them? Because that was just a fantastic game that Ed and Dzeko played against Barca in the second second leg. If, if they're down 3-0 at Anfield, wouldn't you say that this fixture's done and dusted? Or are we going to believe, truly believe yet again they can they can pull a rabbit out of a hat? I want, want both of your opinions on that. All right, so, Critty, shaking my head at, at you the whole time. <laughs> um... <clears throat> Did you not see the fixture? Okay, I'll tell you this. Here's what I started taking Roma seriously this year. Way back in the group stage, mm-hmm. when they went to Stamford Bridge and they were down a couple of goals, and Edin Dzeko, at his former home, came back and put his put his boot up the ass of Thibaut Courtois mm-hmm. and the rest of CFC. Now, whatever Chelsea have had there problems throughout the years so they're not involved in this discussion but I, when I saw an Italian side come to England play in front of that tiny band box of the stadium with that with that crazy crowd that they have at Stamford Bridge and I saw Jekko basically roll that side back nah 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 fam nah nah not here not today I do believe that even if Roma Roma go down 3-0 after the first leg, it is very possible that back at their park, they have the advantage having that their, 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 the second leg back at their park. The, the key will be, and this is the same thing that I said uh, for the city, uh, the, the city uh, tie, it is imperative that you keep the road team off the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. You give them any goal, any goal, and it leaves just the slightest margin of error the slightest crack in the window possible for you to get upset in that second leg. The reason why Liverpool advanced is basically because, not just because of the fact that they had a three-goal advantage, because they didn't allow any away goals. You cannot allow any away goals. And it is very key that you don't, do not not let El Shirai, and you let Dzeko, and uh, they also have, um, they have viable talents on the wing, they are a decent side. This mm-hmm. is not a team to be taken lightly. If you let them get one in, if you let Jekyll free, if Jekyll gets between Clavin or Lovren or whoever lines up the next to VVD, the VVD somehow gets sidetracked and has to play out of position a little bit, and you let Jekyll slip in, he is still a wonderful talent of a striker. I, I would love to see him uh, in an LLC kit at some point. I've always admired him. You let him get free for one, I tell you what, there will be hell to pay in that second leg. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, so, so, Jack, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think there's a score that LFC need to get? Obviously, I think a, um, a 4-0 at Anfield would pretty, pretty much do it. But uh, is there something <laughs> – do you think that um, – my, my question to you more is this. Um, do you think that, say, if, 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 if Liverpool get 2-0 or, um, you know, 3-0 at Anfield, do you think that Roma can, can hold Liverpool scoreless, even in Rome? So, I mean, one, one away goal pretty much does it at that point. So that's more my question is, can, can Roma really pull off uh, a deficit uh, like that again against another top-flight team? 
I, I think they can maybe hold them scoreless. I don't know if they're going to put three past them again. I mean, this is this is a really strong defensive team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is a little. I mean, they're not going out and blanking teams as large as Barcelona all the time as they did in the second leg. You know, three 0 Obviously, that's not happening for them all the time. But I don't know if it's as much of a fluke, you know, compared to the first leg, which, in my opinion, was a little wonky. Anyway, weren't there like a couple own goals in that one for Barca? Which obviously, uh, yeah, you're actually right. Yes, yes. Sustained pressure, so it's not like you know they weren't completely, you know, uh, unearned or anything. But I mean, that, that's a four-one result that I think is maybe a little bit closer than the scoreline suggests. And they came out and put in a very um, organized display, and you know, and, and took advantage of Barcelona in the moments they could. So um, I don't know if it's as much of a. I mean, if they fall behind um, by you know a two or three goal margin. Again, as they did to Barcelona, I'm not as confident that they're going to be able to, you know, repeat that kind of a comeback. But, you know, if that first leg ends 1-0 or something, I think they're very much in it. Interesting. Well, I mean, that's – this is all of us assuming, too, that, that Liverpool's just going to run the gambit and, and, and destroy Roma at Anfield. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not assuming another blessing thing. Mr. Smith, I, you, uh, hey, pop your brakes, circuit, sir. You know I am the cautious type. So I am assuming 2-0, maybe 1-0 if we're lucky. We as in Liverpool. Right. Very cautious, sir. So, well, if it's, cautious. If, it's, if it's 1-0 with uh, Liverpool going back to the Stadio Olimpico, I would say Liverpool is in big trouble. Yes, sir. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Jack, so, Jack, what are your what, what are your what are your thoughts on that? If if Liverpool only managed to get one, they, say they win one nil and Roma doesn't get the away goal, but now you're going back to the Stadio Olimpico. Should should Liverpool in that scenario be a little bit nervous that they didn't do enough at home to close this thing out? Definitely, definitely. Um, I don't think I don't think they should come into it um, feeling like they're on the back foot. Obviously, because they would go in with that lead and you know just one away goal would really change the complexion of the tie but um yeah if i'm liverpool and i don't have at least a two goal lead coming out of the first leg i'm not um feeling particularly confident there's still a lot of work to do there i i, I tend to agree with that uh that would that would definitely concern me uh if i'm uh, jürgen klopp and i know he, he doesn't fear much but that you know the the math is the math and it, it's uh if, if you're capable of beating uh barca three nil uh you're capable of beating liverpool three nil as much as that pains me to say uh the other question is it, um what do we think about um the fact that what kind of lineup do you think uh, Klopp goes with Stan in this and uh, for the first leg. Um, because we're at home, I still think it's going to be a four-three-three. Um, you'll see the the fabulous trio of Firmino, uh, Mane, and Salah up front. Um, you'll see. I would like to say you're, Hendo's uh, uh, back from his yellow card suspension, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. he is eligible for this match. So we'll see Ox, Hendo, <sighs> and Gini Wijnaldum. Um, that would be a fabulous, fabulous midfield three. And then, of course, at the at the four, you're going to see um, the same two wing backs. You'll still see Robbo, and, uh, Andy Robertson, and uh, Trent Alexander uh, on the left and right, respectively. And BVB playing next to Robbo on the left, and then 
that right uh, right center back. I don't know if 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 if, if Dejan Lovren is one hundred percent fit. You will see him next to BBD. If not, you may have to see my homeboy, the Estonian gangster. You might have to come see Wagner <laughs> uh, Clavin. You might have to see him um, next to BBD, which is fine. I'm okay with that too. You can pretty, you can put me next to BBD, and you'd probably get a clean sheet. Like, let's be serious here. Oh, of course, um, of course. I might get a I might get a red card, but in the process, but whatever. Um, and then of course, uh, LK one worst carries in goal. Uh, uh, as it should be, the, the way that it will continue to be uh, for the foreseeable future. So that would be the lineup that I would go with. Genie being the key. Genie being the key. Genie okay. would be the key to prevent any sort of counterattack. You want Ox to, to, to be the, almost your foe cam. You want Hendo to be your supplier, your box to box. Almost the, I will distribute, but I'll also hang back and defend, defend in the case of uh, one of the other two midfielders getting ahead of themselves. Uh, but Genie will be the key because he wants to stay in that left-hand lane in between Mane and uh, and Andy Robertson, and his key will be to prevent any counters. Oh, we got Salah. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, Mane, Mane. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, Jack, uh, if you're Roma, Roma was resting players today in their Serie A fixture, their 2-1 win. Um, I believe Nainggolan was uh, on the bench. I believe De Rossi was also on the bench. Uh, if you're Ro- if you're Roma, how do you approach that first leg at Anfield? What, what would your if, if, if what would your um, uh, tactics be? Your strategy be if you were going going into that um, almost? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Liverpool has lost a match there this season. So um, certainly not in Champions League. So so how would you approach that? Well, I would just pray that uh, Liverpool doesn't start the menace that is Danny Ings. <laughs> um, oh man! Uh, wow. <laughs> no, I think what I said earlier. I, I, uh, I don't think you want to get caught out. Um, so I don't know if you. I don't know. I think. I mean, obviously, everyone wants an away goal. Away goals are so important in these things, and that has to be on your mind. But I don't know if this is a game where you go out particularly aggressive. And you know, have the chance of falling victim to like a couple early counters and having this game get out of hand real fast. I think they're probably at least what I would do is, is try to muck this thing up as much as possible on the road. Um, you know, get physical, get in people's faces in the midfield, try to disrupt Liverpool's rhythm and, and their their ability to kind of you know in transitional play. Um, that's kind of how I would approach it, and then hopefully you can you, know, you can get something off a set piece or on, on a counter of your own. Um, I don't know. I, I I would just be worried if I were them uh, of getting a little bit too excited under the lights at Anfield and um, you know getting a little bit too full of themselves after that three 0 performance at Barcelona and trying to do too much. That's uh, I like that. I like that approach. I, I you know I can't I can't say anything. I think both of you are right, and and I think it's going to be a fantastic fixture. I think that. It's a uh, jack to what you said. I think it's refreshing. I think that it's uh, when what last week on the same, same show, I said that I wanted to see Roma and it's not, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans seem to be getting a bad rep for saying they want Roma because they're the easiest path to the final. And I, I, I don't believe that necessarily at all. If, um, in fact, I, I, I just want to see a good football match, but I want to see something different. And furthermore, I want Jurgen Klopp to get revenge on Jopankis in the Champions League final 
as a result of losing the 2013 final against uh, Bayern when he was at Borussia Dortmund. So I think that uh, it's time for Jupp Heynckes to get his quote-unquote comeuppance and for Jurgen Klopp to, to take uh, Liverpool to Champions League glory. But we are going to transition over to the other semifinal. There is, in fact, another semifinal. And I'm just going to read off some, some scores here. Um, if you look at 2017, Bayern Munich eliminated by Real Madrid. 2014, Bayern Munich eliminated by Real Madrid. Uh, 2007, uh, Bayern Munich eliminated by Real Madrid. This goes all the way back to 2004, Bayern Munich uh, eliminated by Real Madrid. This seems to be the one team, uh, well, really the main... This draw wasn't an accident. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, Bayern, shout out to Sheva. Shout out to Sheva. Bayern has struggled massively against Spanish sides, and I know they just beat Sevilla. I said they struggled against. Well, they spent struggled against really good Spanish sides. No disrespect to Sevilla. Um, they can't. Some respect on my man Big Ben Getter's name. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! That's oh wow. Okay, go ahead, Critty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Seventh place in La Liga does not get you respect on this program, sir. Just so you know. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, You're not wrong. I'm sorry. so, so uh, Bayern has been eliminated the last uh, since 2014 uh, by La Liga. 2015 La Liga. 2016 La Liga. 2017 La Liga. Uh, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Barcelona have combined to knock Bayern out of the Champions League during Pep Guardiola's entire tenure at Bayern München, and also during the one Carlo Ancelotti season. Uh, Jack, is this the one, is this finally the uh, time that Bayern can overcome the, the uh, Achilles tendon destruction, disruption, whatever you want to call it, that is Real Madrid? Well, first of all, all, all this talk of Bayern losing to La Liga sides has me in the mood to watch that uh, <laughs> goal where he just, Boateng falls into a hole. And then he chips Neuer. That that thing is just a thing. I never get tired of watching that on repeat. It's just that is so funny. We certainly, the three of us on the, we are certainly hiding absolutely no biases on this. So my God, we have just gone completely off track. But no, go ahead. All, all due respect to Byron. So Jack, um, can Byron finally overcome? I, I don't know. The way I'm approaching this thing is uh, until Real Madrid loses, I just don't think they will. I know that's not a particularly eloquent statement, but just it, it's it's Cristiano Ronaldo. It's it's these guys in the Champions League. They're so dominant, especially the last few years. I just kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't make me happy. I derive no pleasure from that. But um, I, I just I think they'll find a way by hook or by crook to get through. I mean, they'll get some calls. They'll they'll, they'll pull something out of the hat later. And I'm, I'm not. That's not a you know shot at the referee in that past match. I mean, whatever. But it, it's it's just it's I don't like either of these teams. I'm a Schalke fan. I'm tired of Bayern Munich you know, mm-hmm. as somebody who's constantly staring up at them in the uh, you know in the, in the Bundesliga and the DFB Pokal and all these things. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of them either. But uh, I don't know. I just kind of have to side with Real Madrid until they get proven wrong. Um. Well, what what is uh? Do you do you think that it's it's a matter of who has the better performance overall between Robert Lewandowski and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you think those are the two deciding factors? Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if it's really. I, I mean, Ronaldo is is. I'm assuming once again, it's going to be Ronaldo. I just have to assume that he's going to find a way to come up with his big moments. He's just he, he's a monster in the Champions League. He's just next level. Um, I do think Lewandowski has to have um, a, a good two legs. I don't think Bayern go through without him being involved somehow. I mean, if, if not in the scoring, at least, you know, just reaching havoc and opening things up for other people. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it'll be tough. I'm not exactly sure what the keys to this game are going to be. I, I, I just – I think – Real Madrid is just going to find a way to grind it out. Honestly, it might not even be pretty. They just they just have the experience, especially recently, um, and uh, I think they'll find a way to get done. I think that Bayern München because the first legs at the Allianz Arena. I think that they absolutely have to play their absolute. I mean, just pristine football. They have got to play their A game. They've got to come out. You've got to have uh, complete. A cohesion between those 10 outfield players. I would feel a lot more comfortable if Neuer were in goal over Ulreich in such a situation, but you know, you, you, you have what you have. And I think that people are waiting for, you know, Arjen Robin had his moment against Dortmund in 2013 when he sunk that 89th yeah. minute goal to, to, ah, God, that hurts. Anyways, um, that, that it is what it is. He, he, had, he had his moment in the sun. Lewandowski has yet to have that. Yeah, you've got like a million Bundesliga titles between Dortmund and Bayern. You've had, I don't know how many DFB calls, but son, you've never won a Champions League. And this is the one time, I mean, this, this, that Bayern window's closing. We agree on that? Yeah, I guess. For Bayern, putting it, are you saying? Yeah, the Bayern München window to win a Champions League is closing. I, I think I almost think it's closing more for Real Madrid. Okay, I mean they've no, won. They've won. No, no, I, I know no. they've won. A, I know they've won a bunch recently, but I think outside of outside of like Robin and Ribery, that team isn't that old. Stan, uh, let me ask you um, what. If you if you had so if you're your if you're your pine kids you're looking over at the other sideline and you see Zinedine Zidane right mm-hmm. we all know how how we all know how harsh and we've we've covered this actually on last week's show but I definitely want to know you guys' opinion on this because it is this is something that a lot of people have stopped talking about only recently because of Real Madrid's uh, Champions League success. If you look at the table, Real Madrid are done and dusted in, in the La Liga. They're not going to win the Copa del Rey. Just last week, they were fourth place in La Liga. It took uh, Barca beating Valencia for Real Madrid, Real Madrid to jump back up into third. If they don't win the Champions League, is Zidane done? Um, if, okay. Um, no. There would be no silverware. I get it. Well, I get it, Critty. I get it, and I understand completely. Um, Real would be fools to fire uh, Zinedine Zidane. Zizou. Okay. Uh, they would be fools. They would be fools, my honest opinion. I do believe that Zizou is one of the best managers, even though he's only, uh, he's only been there, what, two years? Two, three years? Uh, he's been there for two years. He's won two Champions two Leagues. Yeah. Yeah. He's only been there for two years. Um, mind you, this man was playing beach volleyball football. He's, I'm sorry, he's playing beach football, beach tournament football, just five years ago. So you mean to tell me that this man, you pulled this man from the beach, and he's got two Champions League titles, 
I don't care what your talent is that you have on your starting eleven and your reserves. You, I couldn't go out there and and and, and go from the beach to two Champions League titles back to back. If they fire this man, if in the case that they do not repeat, which they are expected to, I expect them to. The whole world expects them to. Fine, that's totally fair. With that said, it would be a travesty and a downright shame if he's fired. Um, I do know that when they lost to Girona um, earlier in the in the year, uh, uh, when they visited that tiny park uh, and they were beat. I watched the match. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was it? Two one. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they lost to Girona. Yes. Um, everyone was calling for his head. Uh, they were down on the table. I mean, you have to remember your top goal. Benzema's washed. Okay, he could. The only thing he's good for is bodying someone. And basically, like when Ronaldo scored, scored that wonder goal at Juve a couple weeks back. But he's only good for doing what he did not play, which is basically. Bodying up somebody and holding them off. He's a fat bastard as far as I'm concerned. Vida Hero there. RIP Kareem's career. Whatever. Um, Ronaldo hasn't been informed since January. So when Messi and Barcelona were running through the league and destroying everything in sight in La Liga and accumulating points, they basically pulled a Man City and no one is even mentioning this. In addition to your point, Critty, uh, we all had a very slow start to the year. Everyone was signing new contracts. Everyone was signing new contracts. Literally everyone. I saw the announcement day after day after day. And it was almost... It was I, almost I signed a new contract. With Real Madrid, right? I did yeah. too. Exactly, Jack, exactly. That, that, that's how many new contracts are signed. And it's just like, in my mind, I'm going, you guys are losing or drawing week after week after week. You have uh, trophy presentations and you're getting your your, your butt's handed to you at the Bernabeu. Um, but these contracts were handed out for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the talent is there. The manager, the managerial talent is there. The board is very reactionary, however. And I could see Zuzu being fired if they do not win the Champions League. It would send, it would send them... I should send them any, into anywhere because all we would do is just open up the checkbook once again. And to say, okay, uh, uh, if they, we can't get Tuchel, we'll get whatever. We'll get somebody to replace Zizou, who, Zizou, who will be better. Um, uh, and they'll, they'll carry on. They might even, they'll probably even be contenders for La Liga next season. It's assumed that they will win La Liga every year. Um, shout out to uh, Barcelona's gaffer. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But just shout out to him for power through the league, even though they're not getting Champions League. I'll just say this one more one more time. It would be a mistake. It would be a travesty if they fire Zuzu. Bring home the Champions League. Well, if you're, if, you know, if you're, um, if you're Zizou and you get called into the, uh, uh, you know, the office, the front office at the end of the season, and they, you know, it's almost like a, a, a kind of a paying your paying your rent. It's like, you know, uh, Zidane, uh, show me the silverware. And he says, I have no silverware, mon chéri. And uh, the, Real Madrid does not take kindly to that. So I, I, I wonder, you know, I know that Real Madrid has this whole been there, done that. They're the... Um, the Golden State Warriors of the uh, Champions League—they they know they, they can flip the switch when they need to. They they get results when they need to. Um, 
I, you know, as much as I, you know, at the same time, I wanted, I would like to see uh, someone else in the final. At the same time, if that other team is the final, it's Byron Minchin, who are my sworn mortal enemies. So that's a that's another that's another whole story for a different whole day. And I know Jack kind of uh, piggybacks off of that. Um, so, how do you tack this if you're Real Madrid going into the first leg at the Allianz Arena? Uh, you are on. Th- this is the game right here that I feel like can and perhaps may decide the entire fixture because. We all know that getting a result at the uh, Benabeu, whatever Juventus got into the last time, I, I, I'm going to say that that was a fluke. And in the end, uh, Real Madrid got the, the job done. Whether it be a 97th minute penalty or not, Real Madrid always gets the job done at the Benabeu. So I am expecting and anticipating either a draw or a loss for Bayern at the Benabeu. So they have to get the job done at the Allianz Arena. Uh, how do you... Jack, what are your what are your thoughts on how Real Madrid approached this match and how Bayern approached this match? Is it is it you know balls of the wall or do they kind of feel each other out? And because um, if you're Bayern, you really can't afford for Real Madrid to score one away goal, much less two. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, actually, I I think it's going to be at least I would like to see kind of the opposite approach for Real Madrid than I would for Roma, in the sense that I think because of the history of this fixture over recent. Champions League campaigns. I think it's really important for Real Madrid to go out and and get a lead early on the road, just for the psychology of that. And then Bayern's at home, down a goal, like oh here we go again, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's always Real Madrid. I think if that happens, that could really kind of throw Bayern out of their rhythm a little bit. So I, at least I would like to see Real Madrid go out fairly aggressive. Uh, on the road um, and, and try to make something happen early. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure. It's, it's, it is very possible that sometimes when you get into these late stage um, ties, no one wants to make the first mistake, right? And so you spend the first 30 minutes sometimes just kind of passing around and feeling each other out. And it takes takes a while to kind of get into the flow of things. Uh, well, Jack, let me ask this question then. Do you think that in order for Bayern to have – a legitimate shot at this. Do you think they need to hold Real Madrid goalless in that uh, in the in the tie in Munich? I don't think they have to hold them goalless, but I don't think they can concede more than one because that's a lot to ask of your. I think this Bayern team is talented enough to score at the Bernabeu. I think it's a lot to ask of any team though to score more than one, unless you're Schalke in 2015 when you beat them four <clears> three, but. Um, uh, <laughs> as 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 hold on, uh, Dortmund. I, if we got to go back to Jurgen Klopp doing the same thing to Jose Mourinho back in 2013. Anyways, go ahead. Yes, just had to get that in. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I think that's a lot to ask of any team um, to score multiple goals in a second leg at the Bernabeu with a team that has that kind of history and that kind of home field advantage. It, it's it, that, that's a lot. So um, I, I, I do think they need to be careful um, defensively, but. I don't think it's over if if they put that uh, allow Real Madrid to get the away goal. All right. Um, so my ask, uh, really quickly, uh, what are your no second legs? A different story. Um, I want each of your predictions for your scoreline for Roma, Liverpool, and for Real Madrid and Bayern. For me, I'll start things off. I think Liverpool beat Roma three nil at Anfield. And I'm going to go with a score line of two to one Bayern at the Allianz Arena. 
Um, so you're saying for the first leg. Um, I will say... I'll say 2 nil to Liverpool at Anfield for the first leg, and I will say a 2 all draw at the Allianz for the first leg. As the non-Liverpool fan I'm <laughs> on the air right now, I'm going to give Roma more of a shot just to be interesting. I'm going to have 2-1 victory for Liverpool. Okay. Um, Bye-bye, Liverpool. Bye-bye, Liverpool. That happens. And I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw for Bayern and Real Madrid. Oh, man, I think that would just be one of the worst possible things for Bayern is to draw at the Allianz. I, I, I just that I, I don't disagree with you, Jack. I mean, it, it, it's it, Real Madrid can be anybody, any place, anywhere. Doesn't matter. But uh, I think that um, in order for them to to truly feel good, I guess if I I should say to feel good about their chances at the Bernabeu, I think they just have to they have to at least win. They have to go – if it's 2-1, then it's 2-1. So be it they conceded one, but they have the uh, aggregate advantage going in. But, yeah, I, I – I, and I do see your score quite possibly happening. If that happens, I think that spells trouble for Bayern. But since we're talking about Bayern, um, let's jump quickly into the Bundesliga. Um, last weekend, there was a little match in the Ruhrgebiet. It was between two old friends, uh, FC Schalke 04 and Borussia Dortmund. Um, Jack, this match ended 2-0 to Schalke, deservedly won. Um, just a quick recap real quick. Uh, give me your thoughts on that match and uh, what did Schalke do right and what did Dortmund do wrong? Yeah, well, we talked about this on the Schalke pod a little bit um, on Sunday, a lot of it really. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Schalke came out very well organized, um, very compact, uh, and, and they really – Dortmund struggled to get anything going offensively, really. I, I felt like, uh, you know, Batshuayi didn't have much service the entire game. It, it was Royce and Pulisic for me that were really trying to pull all of the strings, and there wasn't really anybody available um, on the end of anything to kind of finish off a move. It was just a kind of a lot of poking and prodding from, from Dortmund that didn't really end up going anywhere. And uh, Schalke isn't a particularly great offensive team, and so I think the same was could be said for them, at least in the first half. And really the thing that broke open the match is just a mistake from Schmelzer. Um, kind of an uncharacteristic one to some extent. He, you know, uh, mishandles um, a, a ball while not under a great deal of pressure um, that Caliguri is able to uh, take away from him. And then uh, a defensive mistake from uh, Socrates and uh, Shaheen, uh, who both uh, lose track of Kanaplianka, who's just kind of casually jogging towards goal. And, he, you know, he receives that ball from Caliguri and it's, it's 1-0, and then, you know, Dortmund are on the road trying to come back in, you know, with the crowd against them and everything, and that, that's a tough ask. And um, ultimately, it, it's Naldo who steps up and just, you know, it's an out-of-this-world free kick that's the kind of the final dagger um, and something that he's been doing a lot for us this season. But um, it's certainly a frustrating game from Dortmund's perspective. Uh, I don't feel like they, they will feel like is they, that they played their best game. Um, I think they'd like to have that one back. I mean, even if it had ended up, you know, a similar result, I think they will feel that they could have played a lot better. But, um, you know, Schalke didn't make it easy for them, and I think they also deserve a great deal of credit as well. They came out um, with a great mentality and very well organized and, you know, had a task and had a mission, and they executed it fairly well, and they, you know, they took advantages of the chances they had. Uh, very well said. I, yeah, I absolutely couldn't agree more. Uh, Schalke went out there, and they, they just took care of business. Uh, Stan, are you there, Stan? Stan? 
Sorry, guys, I was muted. My apologies. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, uh, I have officially switched to bourbon. I just want to announce that real quick. Um, so we're drinking okay. the uh, bullet bourbon real quick. Um, Stan, let me ask you, um, Borussia Dortmund are a – and I'm going to – I'm gonna. Uh, you better get the words right, buddy, because they're my team, so – Mm-hmm. You better not. You better not. You better not get this wrong. I'm telling you right now. Um, <laughs> so Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund are a very weird team this year. You know, obviously you go from Thomas Tuchel to uh, Peter Bosch. Peter Bosch had a tactical system. Had a uh, obviously a concept that was recognizable. Uh, played a very high defensive line, which ultimately cost them. As soon as everybody else in the Bundesliga after match day five figured out how to, uh, it was really funny enough. It was Borussia Mönchengladbach in a six-one defeat that really busted Dortmund open because uh, Eden, uh, Eden Hazard. Sorry, whoa, Torgen Hazard. Sorry, oh my goodness, I just disrespected the other. Uh, yeah, get my Hazard right, right. So it was just a lot of missed chances by Gladbach in that game that. Uh, made the score look as nasty as it did. Shortly after that, though, Dortmund started to look very human. Things collapse. They get Peter Stürger later on in the season. Stan, what what do you make of Borussia Dortmund this season? Just the the the, the they're, like they're not. They've lost two matches uh, in the league under Stürger. Both of those coming in the last month. One to Bayern, obviously a six nil drubbing. So then they lose to Schalke. You lose to your biggest rivals by an aggregate score of 8-0. So what do you make of them this season? And uh, what, what do you see the future holding for them? What, what, do, you, what do you think they need to do to uh, – or what kind of manager do you think they need to get to, to, to fix these problems? Well, the first problem, Credit, is they should have never fired Thomas Tuchel. Uh, if, uh, am I pronouncing the you right? You are, yes. Yeah, and I agree with that. Um. Should have never fired him to begin with, uh, from what I understand, and I didn't follow it very closely. Um, but from what I got was he had a, a row with the board, and of course, all great managers are very cocky as hell, and um, they want things done their way, their standards. They do know best. Um, the board does not play on the pitch. The pitch is separate from the board. The board signs checks. The gaffer manages the players. Tuchel should have been allowed to continue his program in whatever way he saw fit. And because he wasn't allowed that, now Borussia Dortmund are in a state of disarray. Worse than when before Jurgen Klopp took over. That is how I see them now. With all the talent that they have. All the talent. I, I, we're not even we're not even talking about number twenty two right now. I don't even want to mention his name because that evokes uh, memories that don't need to be brought up here. Um, yeah, Michi Bashwai, Marco Ruiz, Mario Gotze. Um, I don't know why I what turned you, into it. Hey, hey, you're not wrong. I don't know why I turned into Italian all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, it, it's it's it's. Very frustrating to see a club with so much talent be in such disarray because they can't get their shit straight in the front office. It's not hard. Let your gaffer manage the club. Let them handle the players. Let your board sign the checks. Let them handle the marketing and promotion. Let your gaffer do what they have to do. Yes, you have the yellow wall. Yes, the... the um, 
the name of the home park escapes me. Uh, Ren- well, we call it. We the, it's officially they due to financial restraints and stuff back in the late two thousands. It's called the Signal Iduna Park, but we only yeah, refer yeah, to yeah, it. That. No, we call it the Westfalen Stadion. The Westfalen Stadion. Thank you, Westfalen Stadion. The Westfalen Stadion. Those fans. Those great. Dedicated, and I uh, I know, Critty, that you were, you were once in those stands as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys deserve so much better. You guys do not deserve a, a boardroom that has become bigger than the club itself. The club dictates what happens, the money that's brought in. So if you have a club, and I'm sorry, I'm, 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 a, I'm a little antsy right now, and some I might say some stuff, so... Kids, kids, cover your ears. That's fucking bullshit, man. I just, I just, I cannot, I, it has upset me for a club that's not mine, but I do have a connection to them because of the fact that, yes, Jurgen Klopp came from them. I've always appreciated the BVB just as an outside uh, non-Bundesliga observer. That's always been a club that I've been partial to just because of their style of play. You and I have talked about Karl Heinz Riesler. Uh, 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 Riedle, Karl-Heinz Riedle, yeah. Yeah, we talked, we've spoken about him. Mm-hmm. I've watched his game film. Um, Sebastian Kehl, um, Mats Hummels. Yeah. Um, Wagenfeller, uh, the former goalkeeper. Yeah, still on the team, by the way. <laughs> still on the team. Still on the team. I, I, these are guys that make up the heart of Borussia Dortmund. Mm-hmm. That yellow wall means so much to those people there. And and Signa Iguna Park, whatever the hell you want to call that 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 stadium, it, it, it is now in a state of disarray. Mm-hmm. I've actually distracted myself from the original uh, question. Um, Credit, could you please remind me? I'm sorry, I I, I went somewhere. Well, I actually, I, I, okay. So I want to say, talking about the atmosphere, uh, hats off to Schalke last week. The Feltins Arena was absolutely. Booming. I mean, um, it, it was coming through brilliantly on TV too. I mean, just I was sitting it from my home in Chicago. I was, I felt like I was there. It was great. Yeah, you couldn't be more right. I mean, I, I was just watching it uh, on 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 like a my iPad or tablet or whatever it was, and uh, it just just fantastic. I mean, you could um, as soon as the goals were scored, they they played the songs, and and I mean, it it just that's. You know that's what you want to see, even despite being on the losing end of that. It does. It's like, man, this is a this is a derby. This is this is this is football. So my question, Stan, I'm going to kind of group this. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to push this into a, kind of a different direction here because uh, this is something I want uh, every all, all of our opinions on. Um, what I said was about the future of Borussia Dortmund as far as what they need to do. So I'm going to ask. After seeing the DFB Pokal this uh, past day and yesterday, um, Bayern München just beat uh, Bayer Leverkusen 6-2 in a DFB Pokal semifinal. Um, that is a sad state of affairs when your number one team beats your number three team, Borussia Dortmund, 6-0 within the last month, and then in turn a couple of weeks later, beats the fourth best team, 6-2. Uh, Jack, what, what, what does the Bundesliga have to do? Can they do anything to even remotely close that gap? If, I don't know what the answer is, but I completely agree with you that we, that we have a problem. 
Um, and it's 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 getting it's getting really old. I mean, yeah, you want to talk about uh, the Dortmund game, Bayern six nil over Dortmund um, in their classicer, probably the, the the most highly promoted game to the U.S. market um, of any fixture, even more so than the Riviera Derby. That's the one I think it's the most marketing. Um, six nil, and then you know, six two against Leverkusen, the third place team currently in the Bundesliga. Five um, one against Gladbach. Last week, I mean, like this is not an, an unusual occurrence for for Bayern either in the league or in the DFB Pokal. Um, yeah, and it's 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 not fun, and it's not good. I don't think it's good for the league either necessarily. I mean, like I, I was talking to my friends actually in a, you know in a group chat earlier today because Schalke took on Eintracht Frankfurt in the DFB Pokal, and I, I messaged them. I said I don't even know why I'm so nervous right now. Because what's the point of this match? It just the winner just gets to go to the final and get eviscerated by Bayern Munich. Like, mm-hmm. why is that a big deal? Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know where we go from here. I don't know what the answer is. I think to some extent it has to be that these teams need to stop losing talent to Bayern. We have to somehow find a way to avoid Bayern strengthening their team from within the ranks of the Bundesliga. Like, we need if we're going to sell players, we need to sell them to you know Spain or Italy or France. Um, or England, something other than Bayern Munich. I think that's you know part of it. Um, but beyond that, I- I'm not sure. But it- it's it's brutal. I mean, it's year in year out. It's Bayern at the top of the table. It's Bayern. You know, I mean, the Champions League is one thing, but you know, Bayern making it deep in the DFB Pokal and it's just not competitive. It's a twenty point lead right now over Schalke. It's insane. Uh, yeah. So Jack, uh, on, on, keeping on keeping talking about Schalke. Uh, what what you know we, we we briefly touched on this uh, at the end of the Schalke podcast last uh, Sunday, and what does it take for Schalke to tell Leon Goretzka, hey, you can be the Marco Royce of Schalke, you can be our guy, you can be the the, the, the poster child, you can be the next Benedict Hervidez. We 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 want to give you this. I know Schalke did everything in their power to keep him to stay, but 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 why? Why would a guy like Goretzka, who is guaranteed Champions League football next season at this point now with Schalke, why why go to, to this to this evil empire? Why does Manuel Neuer say I'm never leaving Schalke? I'm never wearing anything but blue. Yet he goes to Bayern. Why is Max Meyer considering leaving Schalke? I, I don't. Uh, you know, it's kind of a weird thing for me. The only guy that has actually stuck to his guns and basically said. Fuck you, Bayern, is Marco Royce. He's the one guy but between, I would say, the other top five teams that either Bayern isn't interested in, say, like uh, a guy like um, uh, um, Kevin Follan, for example. They don't, they don't care about him, so he's not up for consideration to say fuck you, Bayern. Um, but Marco Royce has been offered by Bayern. That is a known fact. He has turned them down. Uh, Mats Hummels left. Robert Lewandowski left. I mean, it's just one after the other. Now, Leon Goretzka. What is uh, Jack? What is what is what does Schalke have to do to retain these these homegrown talents? I think your comparison to Royce is a little bit funny, given the uh, the injury troubles of both of those players. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I, I don't know. I mean, going into this season, uh, we, we knew that he was going to be out of contract at the end of it, um, and we knew that we absolutely, if we had any chance of retaining his services absolutely 100% had to qualify for the Champions League. Not the Europa League, the Champions League. And, and that was it. Um, and uh, I, I think they made this this very hard push to say, um, hey, you know, uh, you can be a captain. Didn't they make him a vice captain at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I, be- I believe they did, yeah. 
Yeah. Like they were trying to set the table a little bit here and, and make that sales pitch and be like, listen, you're going to get consistent minutes. Like every time you're healthy, you're in the starting lineup. You're going to have champions league football. You're going to be a captain. You can be a club legend at this club. Um, and I feel like for a lot of Schalke fans, what we thought was going to happen was as long as we did qualify the champions league and, or at least looked like it and looked like our team was going in the right direction that he would at least give us another couple of years. And, so to have done that and have Tedesco perform as well as he has and, and get Schalke into the position that they're in currently in second place, um, and then to have him, you know, after this long, drawn-out saga, ultimately go to Bayern when we offered him a ton of money and, you know, all these other things, it, it's, it's very frustrating. Um, I don't – and we talked about this in the Schalke part a little bit. I don't understand why, from, from the player perspective, why, um, you know, being a rotation player at Bayern – and winning a title by 20 points every season is more appealing than, you know, potentially being a legend at a club and, and, and trying to climb that hill. To me, that would be more exciting and more rewarding. And obviously, I'm not a professional footballer. I can't really put myself in that position. But um, the titles that Bayern wins, to me, in my opinion, are pretty hollow compared to the titles that are won in, in other leagues, potentially, like the Premier League, where I think it's a little bit more of a battle. Mm-hmm. Every season, I'm not saying that the same few teams don't win, but at least it you know gets dispersed a little bit more every season. Um, and for for the players that go to Bayern, it's just kind of a given. And I don't understand why that's so rewarding. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's I mean it's really frustrating. And I think the problem with Max Meyer, just to wrap this up, is that um, Richard and I talked about this too. Uh, we were concerned that once it was looking like this Goretzka thing wasn't happening, we're like, all right, we need to like, just let this go and work on Max Meyer because he's probably sitting around. Like, why is all this tension being paid to Leon Goretzka? How come no one cares about me? And that's ultimately exactly what happened. We, we dragged out this Goretzka saga so long that ultimately I think Max Meyer felt slighted because he's like, Hey, I'm a, I'm on a contract too. Does anyone care about trying to, you know, retain my services at all? Mm-hmm. And, uh, now it looks like he's going to, spurn us as well and potentially go elsewhere and i think that's a little bit more risky for him than it is for goretzka but just the idea that schalke can can lose two like under 23 german internationals in the same window and lose them both for free and let them walk for nothing is it it just boggles the mind and uh you know that one of them going is going to Bayern is just um you know the extra dagger to that it's 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 so frustrating it's it's uh, it's it's ultra frustrating because now Schalke they are qualified for the Champions League and they could be losing uh, you know I wouldn't say their two best players Goretzka is their best player I don't know if Myers their second best but they're losing two of their top five players um, those are massive holes to fill uh, to say the least Stan as a uh, kind of a, a, a neutral here and I know you said you had some ties to BVB but. Uh, how do you see it with uh, Bayern's dominance? I mean, does it just – do you basically say now, you know, this league, it's not even worth watching at this point? I mean, it's so boring by fact that February the title's been decided? It's it's very frustrating, Critty, and also, Jack, it's very frustrating to be a neutral to what uh, – I've been following the Bundesliga uh, off and on since 2003. Um, so – Bayern have pretty much had this league by the throat for, a, I would say, a decade plus. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I have a, a buddy of mine who's actually a Bayern fan. Uh, shout out to my man at Glenn Lawrence. I know we're not doing shout outs right now, but that's that's my buddy at Glenn Lawrence. 
Um, We're not doing shout outs right now, Stan, for God's sake. I mean, wait till the end of the show, please. Wait till the end. I, I know. You want Please. Me. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. That's your first. That's your yellow card, buddy. That's my yellow card? <laughs> Shit. I'm definitely going to get another one. Um, Should we go to VAR and maybe turn that into a red card? Please, yo, Jack, you're my homie. Jack, yeah, yo, can we go to VAR? No, because no, because it's we're we got a Schalke fan in the room. We don't go to VAR with Schalke fans. Uh, quite. A... Um. So it's very frustrating to see any sort of league be dominated by one club for so long. Um, and I know we're going to get into another league that has been dominated in rather similar fashion. Uh, it's. It makes the league unwatchable. If you're, if you have no rooting interest in the Bundesliga, if you're not a fan of the FC, Stan, 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 let me. I'll, I'll, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you real quick. I do want to, because I, I, I want to point that. I'm, and I'm gonna let you keep on, but I want to point this out to you because you're saying how it's promoted. Uh, when the when Fox won the contract, uh, the first, the first, the first game they promoted, the first game they promoted was the from the previous season. 16th place relegation survivalist Hamburg versus Bayern Munich, okay? And they said this is the old, right, this is the old rivalry, Ham, the, the, the North Suit uh, Derby. It's, it's Hamburg. Yes, Hamburg has won a Champions League. Well, it was the Euro- European Cup at the time. And yes, they've won six German championships. And they were a German power. Hamburg is absolutely a, a, they are, a, they are respected. They are respected within the league, even though they have their struggles at this time. Absolutely. But what really hurt was the premier game on Fox Sports of the Bundesliga was a 5-0 drubbing where Douglas Costa made Hamburg look like total jokes. And as Jack just said a minute ago, you promote the, the, the Der Klassiker, and Dortmund gets slaughtered on Der Klassiker. So if you're a guy and you're saying – Man, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to watch Barcelona-Valencia or if I'm going to watch Inter versus, um, you know, uh, Fiorentina. Yeah, right. And you say, oh, wait. Uh, right. You say, oh, wait, 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 wait. Dortmund's playing Bayern. Holy shit. That's the premier fixture in the Bundesliga. And then you watch this and the one – say it's the one match you've tuned into the last two months and it's a, it's a complete blowout. is called – Right, right. So, so what do you? How, how do you, Stan? How do you propose that the league fix that? And and what can I guess? What can these teams do? But I'm basically asking the same question as Jack. What can the teams below them do to close the gap? Or is it even a? Is it just a basically that they just need to accept the fact now? Go for second through fourth. Get into the Champions League and don't even bother with the league. Okay. Well. Uh... First things first, mm-hmm. and I, I, I will try to be as succinct as possible. Jack, I, I apologize if I spat off some BS. That I don't know what I'm talking about because, as, as I told you, this is by, exactly what I'm Go ahead. <laughs> Please go. First things first. You take that. You take that contract away from Fox Soccer because, for the life of me, I swear to God, if I have to hear Alexi Wallace at Alexi Wallace, fuck him. I swear, if you, if I have to edit that out, if you need to, pretty, I'm sorry. But if I have to hear that redheaded ginger bastard on another <laughs> European fixture for the life of me, for the rest of my life, I will never watch another Bundesliga match ever again. Okay, part two. There needs to be some sort of FFP within the Bundesliga. It's very clear. Max Meyer, Jan Goretzka. Shout out to you, Jack. I'm sorry, but your guys are being 
everyone's being basically um, cattle, being treated like crap cattle. Hey, you've got an awesome player. There's a kid from um, from Leverkusen. Uh, uh, I forget his name, but he's a very young kid. He's Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey. He's about to go to. He's probably going to go to Bayern in another year or two. Uh, every wonder kid, Pulisic, my guy, number twenty-two from uh, from from Dortmund. He might wind up in in in, in, a, in a Bayern shirt, which is uh, I, I pray to God he does. I pray to, to Shanks and everyone else that he winds up in a Liverpool kit because he does want to go to Liverpool. He does, but will it happen? I'm not sure. Um, shout out FSG, FSG in. Um, <laughs> anyway, with that being said, I, I, I got stole the hashtags, guys. I'm sorry. But uh, and the shouts, too. With that said, though, you, you have to put... You have to love the playing field in the Bundesliga. It's very clear that that because of the fact that Bayern are, are basically sponsored by, um, if I'm not mistaken, I know they're sponsored by Mercedes-Benz. Uh, they have a sponsorship deal with T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, that's two big sponsors right there. Also, BMW and Audi, am I getting this right? Uh, well, their BMW is headquartered in, in, in Munich, so I would have, uh, absolutely assume uh, that they are sponsored by BMW and Audi sponsors a number of teams uh you're leaving you're leaving self don't forget about that that's the big sponsorship it's the devil well here's two 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 two, uh, yeah that's a good yes lucifer sponsors them uh two 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 sponsors you're forgetting stan are the brand new airport in the uh what i want to call it uh site of the 2022 world cup cutter uh, or Arab Emirates uh, Airport, whatever that big airport is, they just opened up over there. It was. Emirates? Is it Fly Emirates related? <sighs> it's all. It's if you if you if you if you Google a picture of a Bayern sleeve patch, you will see the airport that I'm talking about because it is prominently featured on their sleeve patch uh, on the left side, where where Western Union sits on the Liverpool sleeve patch, uh, Opel sits sits on the Dortmund sleeve patch. Uh, you will see that uh, airport is on the side of Byron's uh, jersey. The other sponsor you're forgetting about is one that has kept Byron alive for many, many decades now, and they are the absolute darling of Adidas. That's the sponsor that you're forgetting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yep, yep, yep. The footballing company of the world. Without a doubt. Right. Um, so, I mean... How do you even call for FFP, financial fair play, uh, for those who do not know? How do you call for FFP within a league? I don't know. I, I don't know. I understand that because of Byron's dominance, you now the you now get fans worldwide. You also get an influx of money from said fans, and you can go. You can have these friendly tours. You have these tours in the summer that are basically helping to fuel said continued dominance. The one, the one thing I'll say right here is, that, once again, I think clubs like Dortmund and Schalke need to change their mentalities from selling clubs mm-hmm. into, at a minimum, maintaining their talent clubs. There's not really an, uh, an eloquent word for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to change their mentality. They need to hold on to their talent. And then secondly, if they have to get rid of it, it can't be to Bayern. You, you had a Dortmund team you know, five years ago that was extremely competitive. And then look at all the players that were on that team. Mats Hummels, Lewandowski. Gertze, you know, Kagawa, um, you know, all of these people left, and now a couple of them have come back, but half these people went to Bayern, 
um, and half of them went elsewhere. And it's you, there's no way that you can sustain that level of performance when you just keep shipping out talent like year after year, particularly to your biggest rivals. So mm-hmm. um, they, they just have to find a way to combat that. I don't know how they're going to go about doing it, but they need to find a way to resist Bayern's you know financial arm. Um, yeah, so I agree with both of you, and I think that uh, if anyone gets that answer, uh, tweet at, at BundesligaSolutions.com, uh, because we, they are looking for suggestions on how to make the league uh, relevant and competitive again, because Bayern are absolutely running away with it. But I do want to have, we got two more topics to cover, and I, I definitely want to jump into um, the neighbors to the south, well, actually, they're separated by uh, Austria and Switzerland and that stuff. But anyways, the neighbors to the south, Italy. And we have quite uh, – it is the one league, uh, guys, the one league where things are not over yet. We have a title race out of all five leagues, uh, the top five leagues in Europe. There's only one that is still in doubt as Napoli have won today 4-2 to two against Udinese and Little Crotone – the relegation candidates held mighty Juventus to a 1-1 draw. So, guys, looking at Italy, we have a massive match this weekend at Juventus's Allianz Stadium. What are we look? Who do we expect to, to take the three points, the one point they split? I believe in my heart of hearts that Napoli, this team, has basically thrown the Champions League this season they threw the Europa League this season to win the Scudetto. They, th- that was mission number one. Win your first Scudetto since Diego Maradona was a player here. And I think they're going to go, I think if you're Napoli, you have to go everything in. It's 100% blitz football. It's got to be. Uh, what are your thoughts, guys? Jack, uh, I'll start with you. What, what, what do you think that, 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 that Napoli has to – because Juventus is four points ahead – with, I believe, five matches to go, either four or five matches to go. Five matches to go. Five matches to go. So if you're Napoli, do you go heavy metal football and just and just pedal to the metal, or, or how do you see that unfolding? Well, I'd like to issue a quick apology to uh, Austria and Switzerland that you called that stuff so dismissive. <laughs> <laughs> I love you even if pretty doesn't. Please don't hate us. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the Red Bull Salzburg fans. You guys are the Europa uh, Europa League semifinals, and you did beat Borussia Dortmund, so you damn right you get country status today, my friends. Country. Yeah, shout, shout out to Red Bull, please. I'm sorry, shout out to Red Bull. Shout out to Red Bull, uh, Salzburg. Shout out to uh, RB Leipzig. Uh, hashtag Kaita announced. Yes, oh, nice. The Kings of Europe podcast, the Arbiters of European Sovereignty. Apparently. <laughs> so, so Jack, uh, yeah. So, so how do you approach this if you're um, Saudi and Napoli? Um, if you're going into the Hell's Den that is the Allianz Stadium, I think if Napoli finds a way to win this match, I think they go on and they win the title. Okay. Um, Napoli's remaining five games—they're not a cakewalk, mm-hmm. but it is a much more favorable schedule than Juve, who, in addition to Napoli, is also playing Inter and Roma in three of their last five, plus Bologna, which is not a horrible team either. Right. Um, and so I, I think that they, I mean, they're out of the Champions League now, which is, you know, probably a boost for them in terms of their league campaign. But um, if Juve wins this or finds a way to draw, I don't know if Napoli comes back. But I do think Napoli has to go in there and they have to play aggressive. Um, my boy Dries Mertens has to score a hat trick. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to it's gonna be fascinating. If Napoli finds a way to pull this off, it's going to be a fascinating end of the season. 
Stan, how do you see the fixture um, between number one and number two in Italy going this weekend? What do you what do you think? What do you think Juventus should be expecting from Napoli? Do you think uh, do you think Allegri is going to expect an all out attack, or do you think he's going to? Uh, if you're Napoli, I don't think you can play for a draw. I, a draw gets you absolutely nothing. You're no further. You, you cannot bank on Juventus dropping points against Inter, dropping points against Roma, because Roma... Say it again? 100% agree with you. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that you have to go for the win. So, Stan, if you're Juventus, what are you expecting? And if you're Napoli, how do you, how do you uh, go into this match? You get your best defender. I don't care who he is. And you man mark Juice Mertens. You man mark Dries Mertens. You blanket the fuck out of him. Okay. You make sure that Dries doesn't get an open shot on goal. You make sure that Gigi has an easy day. Tough, tough, tough. There's talent throughout that uh, Napolitano roster. Um, shout out to Napoli because they have been uh, incredible and they've played some beautiful football this season. But if I'm if I'm Allegri. I make sure you man-mark Dries. Okay. If you man-mark Dries, you have a chance, you have a chance at not making this a catastrophe. That's my personal opinion. Um, with that said, um, it's going to be tough. To, it's tough for me to see any sort of shootout in any sort of uh, fixture. That's just not the way the league's played. That's not the way that the football culture is there. Um, but if you have a core of Chiellini and uh, and uh, 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 if you have a if you have a if you have a CB pairing CB GK one uh, pairing of Chiellini and Buffon, I it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. And at the uh, Stadio uh, at the Old Lady. If you're going to the old lady, you're you you're not gonna get out of that with much with much. In my personal opinion, um, if this were in Napoli, it would be a totally well. It actually wouldn't be because we saw as we saw earlier in the campaign in the El Pacho campaign, it was a nil no draw. Mm-hmm. Um, how you hold Napoli to no goals? Uh, is beyond me, but... Especially that early in the season. I'm sorry? I said especially that early in the season when Napoli, uh, they they were on some sort of a massive win streak uh, during the uh, first part of the season. They they absolutely were tearing it up. Yeah. Um, So, honestly, I I think whatever approach that you took into Napoli, you, you apply that same approach. Now... Uh, in closing, I will say that Juve, they have a bone to pick with themselves for getting pimp slapped at their own house by Real Madrid. So I do think, I do believe that that is in the back of their minds. I do believe that Gigi Buffon will be out for blood um, as far as making whatever seems possible. Any save possible. Anything is possible. Shout out to Kevin Garnett. Um, <laughs> I do believe... KG's getting love on here. Wow. Yeah, KG, KG getting love. Uh, Kevin Garnett is the last person I thought we would talk about today. Good lord! I I I, I, sec- I second that. By the way, I do second that. I thought we talk about. Uh, I thought it was more likely we talk about uh, Stormy Daniels before we talk about KG. But anyways, 
you. My bad. Yo, wow. Continue, Stan. Continue. Um, yes, please. Um, I just, I, I just, I, I don't see it being much of a difference from that little tie that we saw uh, uh, earlier in the campaign. I just don't. If I'm Allegri, I man Mark Martins, and and that's a be all. That's a be all end all. Well, I, I think that it's um, it's setting up to be the absolute uh, biggest match in Italian football this late in the season in, in many, many years. Um, so I'm going to go – so we'll start off with predictions here. I think that uh, Napoli have absolutely – they're four points back. They have nothing to lose um, and everything to gain. Uh, if, they, if, they, if they draw, it's a loss. If they lose, it's a loss. They have to win. There's nothing else there except to take three points. And I think they leave it all on the pitch. And I think Napoli get a 2-1 win at the Allianz Stadium and beat Juventus to pull within one point. Um, Jack, what are your thoughts on the final? I'm going to go for a 3-1 Napoli victory. Uh, a brace for my boy, Dries Mertens. And then uh, Naldo will pop up in stoppage time and <laughs> finish it off. <laughs> Stan, uh, what are your, what, what's, your, what's your final score on this one? I'll go one all. So one-all. that's that's it. That's that's it for Napoli. Then, uh, real quick, same league. We have uh, a, a little bit of a race, uh, three team race for the UEFA Champions League. Separated, uh, three teams separated by one point. In third place, we have Roma. In second and fourth place, uh, we have Lazio. And in fifth place, we have Inter. So 64, 64, and 63 points. All teams um, separated basically by uh, goal differential or one point. Uh, guys, who do we see, unfortunately, finishing in that final Europa League spot, or the first Europa League spot, and who do we see in Italy taking the final two Champions League spots? Because that is honestly one of the hottest races in Europe right now. I think, I think the Roma-Lazio thing... Is is fascinating just with that rivalry in general. That you know they're tied on sixty four right now, and they've done it in completely different ways this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lazio is just balls to the walls offense. Roma is a much more um, you know kind of consistent, e- even pace team. Um, I, I, I was looking this up earlier, and these stats might not be one hundred percent correct, but um, I mean, so Lazio is obviously they've scored the most goals in the league um, in games in which Lazio has scored scored at least two goals. They have a point conversion percentage of ninety three point six percent. They have never and they have never lost this season. If they score two goals, they do not lose. In games where they score one or fewer, they have a point conversion percentage of just thirteen percent of the points available to them, and they have never won. So basically, this team <laughs> needs to score goals because their defense is not good enough to carry them through um, a lot of these matches. Uh, they have a little bit more of a difficult road coming up, I think, than Roma, although Roma also obviously has those Champions League um, ties against Liverpool. Um, so whether or not that's going to come into it, I think, is um, an interesting question, uh, although I don't think any of Roma's more difficult fixtures are happening in the same week um, as when they have to go play Liverpool. So it will be interesting. I, I think I think if Lazio um, continues their offensive ways, they have a very good chance because um, you would assume that they would be fresher. Um, and if they can just kind of like, you know, push it out to the end, I, I like their chances, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the interest just one point behind as well. It, it'll, it'll be fascinating. It's, it's such a tight race. Stan, how do you see this thing playing out in Italy? Uh, 
so we the scenario is as Jack said, Roma still has to play Champions League. Lazio has now officially been eliminated from the Europa League, and Inter is not playing in any competition except the Serie A. So uh, the, the 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 cool part about this is, guys, on match day thirty eight, Inter play Lazio. So that. I, <laughs> Stan, does it come down to match day 38? Does it come down to Lazio versus Inter to decide who's fourth and who's fifth? Um, Low-key, if I were AS Roma, I would actually just uh, take myself out of the Champions League knowing that maybe you probably don't have a real chance against either the winner of Bayern Real. I would just kind of concede and just say, you know what, we're good. Um, you have <laughs> Spal, and I know that's dumb. You have Spal, who's a bottom dweller. You have Kiev, uh, Verona. Um, uh, that's sandwiched between the two ties, uh, the two UCL ties. After that, it's Cagliari, um, Juventus, ugh, and uh, Sassuolo. Yeah. Um, aside from aside from Angana Road with that last fixture, but again. Uh, you not you shouldn't be worried if you're the third place side in what is what has turned out to be a very competitive league this year. Um, with everything still to fight for, aside from the Juve match, which you are hosting, you're hosting your old lady that on five thirteen. It's, um, it's, it's not a tough fixture list for them outside of that Juve match. I think it's Lazio not. Has, it's not. Lazio has Sampdoria, Torino, Atalanta, and, and Inter. Four of yeah, five, and that's much that's tougher than like, much tougher. Would almost take the, and it's dumb to say, but I would almost take the CL. Um, I would take this tie now, and just say, hey, you know what? Let's make sure we lock in for next year. Uh, whatever reinforcements we're gonna get, let's get, let's build upon the club that we already have now. Um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Okay, hold on one second. All right, I, 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 it, that 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 is that is. I, I, you know, Roma has made the Champions League semifinals how many times in the last two three decades? Can you tell me? Not often. Not often. Okay, we'll go with the answer. The official answer is not often. I I believe if you're Roma, <laughs> not often. I believe if you're Roma. You have to go all in on the Champions League. This is your one shot. And by the way, if you win the Champions League, you're automatically qualified for next season. You're automatically qualified circa Liverpool 2005 because they did not qualify through the league table, and because they won, they got qualifying status for the next season. That is that is is wrong, my friend. Not not everything is about Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Stan. Exactly. So the point is, um, if you're Roma. I think you have to say, uh, we believe that we can beat uh, Liverpool, considering that we just beat Barcelona, and, and that's no disrespect to Liverpool whatsoever. I think if you can beat Barcelona, though, you can beat Liverpool. And then you say it's, a, it's, it's 90 minutes to the end. It's a one 90-minute one match, uh, winner takes all. And if you're Roma, you absolutely do not throw the Champions League stand. I, I, do, so, I do disagree with you on that. I don't think, I don't think you can throw a Champions League semifinal, as much as probably Liverpool fans would love to see that happen. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. And that was... I regret saying that. I stand by what I say, but I mean, yeah, it's not right what I said. It's not. You don't think... If any team is going to throw a match and be involved in match fixing, it's certainly an Italian team. 
<laughs> oh, mm. very true, very true. Got him. Got him. Okay, so... Chess at 9.36 Eastern Standard Time? That's not cool, bro. Not cool. But I, I hear you. I hear you. Loud and clear. Okay, so look at the fixture list. I think that... Um, so do, so do, are we kind of in agreement that Inter has the easiest path? I haven't even looked at their list, but I would assume so. Yeah. Well, they've got... Uh, so Inter's next match is against Kievo Verona, which you would expect three points from that. That's a W. That's a w. Right. And then, so your, your big two you have left is you have to play Juventus. Inter has to play Juventus, but it's at the uh, San Siro. So it is a, it's a home game. And then... I believe that the points will flip-flop back and forth, you know, uh, 66-65, 68-67, all the way until the final match day, in which I believe that the fourth place and the fifth place will be decided between Inter and Lazio on match day 38. The top five in this table could very well end up being the top five, five games from now. It's possible that nothing moves at all. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so tight. It is indeed. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on. We're, we're gonna we're not gonna. Plex, I, I'm, we, it, that should be revisited. I, I feel as though let's wait until after this weekend, or maybe even give it another two weeks yeah. to maybe revisit that yeah. line because you never know if there's a slip up. Maybe something happens with Spa. Maybe happens something happens with Kiev Verona. Maybe they catch fire lightning in a bottle, whatever you want to call it. Um, revisit. I would definitely say revisit. We're not going to agree that we're on Team Napoli here, though. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll come back to this in a couple of weeks, and, and you know maybe with two or three match days left to go, we'll pick out who we think, uh, if nothing has moved, who will advance to the Champions League and who will advance to the Europa League in Italy. Guys, one final topic to cover and that is we're going to shift our, our focus uh, back, to, back to England, back to the Premier League. Uh, last week, Manchester United basically gift-wrapped uh, the Premier League title for their nice neighbors uh, in their own city, uh, with their own namesake, Manchester City. And with a wonderful 1-0 loss to AFC, uh, excuse me, excuse me, to West Brom. Oh, my goodness. I almost got the they, – they, they played Bournemouth today. I'm sorry. Um, to West Brom, who have four total wins the entire season. Jose Mourinho swore that people there would be heads rolling in Manchester as a result of that West Brom loss. And there would be people that would be basically, I I guess, blacklisted or or whatever it was that he said. I'm paraphrasing here. Obviously, he didn't quote say blacklisted. But, uh, you know, Mourinho basically conceding that United season is over. When we look at City, they're sitting on 87 points. They have two losses. They have a loss to Liverpool. They have a loss to United. They still have potential to be the only team in Premier League history to attain 100 points in a in a season in, a, in, in one league campaign. Guys, is it fair to say that Manchester City is the best? Strictly Premier League side, if you look at just the league play in the history of English football. I think it's going to depend on what your metrics for that are. I'm, I'm sure Arsenal fans 
will say that you know it's more impressive to have not lost a game. And I'm sure if Man City if Man City is able to reach that hundred point mark, I'm sure Man City fans will say it's more impressive to hit a hundred points. So, um, I, either way, this Man City team is certainly one of the better Premier League teams we've ever seen, and they have been largely, you know, dominant this entire year, and they've been they've been a lot of fun to watch. I totally agree with you, Jack, on the fact that uh, Arsenal. The Arsenal Invincibles of 2003-2004 can claim the undefeated season. However, I do want to point out the, I believe it was 13 draws. And I, I 13 draws or 13 draws. Liverpool don't even have 13 draws. And they're in like fourth, third place right now. So it's, it's yeah, 13, 13 draws and no losses is impressive. But... Ultimately, Manchester City is going to have fewer losses and draws combined than Arsenal had draws total in that season, and going to have far more wins. So, um, I know that they had a, a very impressive side. Obviously, uh, a much younger Arsene Wenger still in his managerial prime, and of course Thierry Henry, one of the most prolific strikers in, in, in you know modern football history. Um, Stan, how do you see it from? A Liverpool perspective, you're looking at it obviously as a, as a, as a quote unquote rival. But do you think that they that City has a has a claim if they if they if they get a hundred points in a Premier League campaign? First of all, I think we can all agree that that's going to be a long time before that ever happens again. And second of all, that's a damn impressive feat. Um, I will approach it from the perspective as a neutral who happens to write about the Premier League and world football in general. Um, no. Um, the Arsene Wenger side from the Invincible season in 03-04. It was 03-04 or 03 03-04. 03-04, yeah. All right. That Invincible side with Henri Repiles, uh, Jose Oquedo Reyes, Dennis Bergkamp, et al. That team is and will continue to, to be as far as in my mind, the best Premier League team in history. Okay. Um, the reason why I said that is because they finished undefeated. Sure, it wasn't the cleanest season. The game was different back then. Um, you can't have a blemish on your record. Uh, if you really wanted to get down to uh, basic metrics, not even analytics, but basic metrics, and go by goal differential, I still... I wouldn't take City over that 03-04 squad. Uh, I just wouldn't. It, it's it's not just because of the fact that they lost. It's just because it's literally because front to back, if you were to take this title winning team from Manchester City, uh, and shout out to fucking uh, Jose Mourinho who decided to sub off Paul Pogba, that's exactly why they fucking lost that match against West Brom over the weekend. Um, Lukaku had to match and Mark J.J. Rodriguez in the box, and when Matic headed that ball down, the second ball wasn't covered by a striker who shouldn't be fucking covering J. Rodriguez in the box, but that's neither hero there. You don't sub off your best midfielder in a nil-nil draw to begin with, or whatever, a French-for-French-like substitution for Martial, who didn't do a, didn't do a single thing um, when he came on, and uh, that's whatever. Whatever. Um, 
just just very frustrated with the fact that um, we now have to we have we asked this question back in December. We're asking this question now. Manchester City is should not be considered one of the best clubs of of Premier League history. Um, there's plenty of talent on this team from from the back. You look at Raheem Sterling, uh, Bernardo Silva, David Silva, Leo Sané, Kunigero, um Kevin De Bruyne. Obviously, who deserves a PFA shout? He does. He deserves a Player of the Year shout. He does. I agree. He's yeah, not he's not going to get it. He's a wizard, though. He's a wizard. Um, <sighs> I do want to correct myself. I did. I said. I said it was thirteen draws. It was actually twelve. Um, but that notwithstanding, not, not a huge difference. Yeah, I think one of the other angles on this is I, I kind of compare this to maybe like the, the Michael Jordan Lebron debate. <laughs> I'm going to shoot myself. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) And that team, similar to Michael Jordan, has had so much time pass, and they're part of sort of like the folklore of the league that almost no evidence could be presented where people are going to not defend that team. Um, And this is coming from you know a Chicago person who loves Michael Jordan, but like Mm -hmm. I'm, I think that's part of it. Wait, are you playing LeBron here? No, I'm not saying that. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, but I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think part of it too maybe is the money that Man City has spent to achieve this maybe cheapens it to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors that, that go into it. Um, and I think it's ultimately going to be a fairly fruitless conversation. But the, the thing that I don't think people are talking about enough is Barcelona is currently undefeated. Mm. We're talking about whether or not Man City is better than Arsenal. And Barcelona currently in La Liga has zero losses. Mm. Like, yeah, they're that, on the way to an invincible season themselves. You look, you go mm. to you go to Bundesliga. Bayern Munich has one more loss than Man City. They had a very comparable season as well. So, mm. I mean, I think what Man City's doing right now, yeah, as impressive as it is, and certainly it's it's fairly historic within the context of the Premier League. It's not even that unusual in terms of what's happening with the best teams in Europe at the moment. And I well, know what your thoughts are on that. That's a good. That's a. I'm, I'm sorry, Critty, if I, if I may. Is this a reflection on club, the death of club football as we know it? I'm stealing an idea from... I'm borrowing an idea, if we could, for a second. But are, are we seeing the end of club football as we know it in European football? Honestly, with the money being spent, with these superpower teams being assembled, $400 million, $500 million, I mean, the... Cl- Wages week to week, even Liverpool, for as tidy as they like to keep things, it's James Miller is making over a hundred grand a week and he doesn't start. Um, How dare you insult James Miller? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, shit. Here we go. Jack, you too? You're pro Miller? Here we go. Everybody's pro Miller, Stan. Everybody's pro Miller, Stan. Here's the thing, and Jack actually, uh, very good shout out there to Barcelona because they are actually, the thing is that La Liga is, in my opinion, a weaker league uh, from, say, team, teams 8 through 20 than the Premier League is from teams 8 through 20, but it's extremely impressive. Hold, hold on one second, though. It is, fair, it is extremely impressive what Barcelona's been able to do with Real Madrid, with Sevilla, with Valencia, with Atletico Madrid, losing to not one of them. They had to play each of them twice. They didn't drop a single game to them. And, and in a year where I don't think there was a lot expected of this team. 
correct. I think that after, yeah, and 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 I think uh, it was very it was very funny that you say that because they played the exhibition game here in Miami back in the summer against Real Madrid, and I heard a lot of people saying at that time the age of Barcelona and Messi and Suarez is over. It is done. They are finished. They will not, uh, you know, they're going to be a top four side in Spain just because, but no more league titles, no Champions League, and, you know, possibly no domestic cup. And, and you know, if it... It's a casual 15-point lead for them at the top of the table right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what Manchester City, obviously, when you play a Leicester who's in ninth place... I believe Leicester are better than, you know, it's hard to say whether Real Betis is better than Leicester or anyone like that because it's, it's, that's, you're comparing apples and oranges. But to me, if you're, you know, two years removed from a Premier League title themselves, Leicester City are still uh, quite a respectable side. Real Betis hasn't won anything in the past uh, three, four, five, six years. Um, so, I believe that cities had to go through the tough, the tougher, uh, should I say, two through twenty. But I think Barcelona absolutely has had to go through the tougher uh, two through seven. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I feel you, and I, th- I think I would probably agree with that in general. I think when people talk about, um, you know, what what league is the best in the world, once again, it's very difficult. You have to define your terms, right? If you're going based on European performance, then it, it's almost certainly La Liga with how they perform in the Champions League year in, year out. But, you know, if it's if it's what's the best, you know, 1 through 20 or whatever, then, you know, there's an argument to be made for the Premier League. So I, I think I'd pretty much agree with, with your assessment there. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's it- it, it, it's a debate that can be go, that can be argued for a while, and, and first of all, of course, uh, not to jump the gun, but we have to see if City's actually going to be able to get the hundred points. Uh, I'm not convinced that they will go f- flawlessly uh, fifteen for fifteen over the next five matches, but um, you know, we could talk about this forever, and uh, we've covered a lot of ground tonight. So, yeah, if I may ask a question, but to both you and Jack. Um, considering the wages spent and the talent accumulated on this club, on this on this Manchester City 17-18 edition, mm-hmm. is this season a success or failure for 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 Pep Guardiola? This season is a failure for Pep Guardiola in the aspect of he was brought in to Bayern to specifically win the Champions League. The Bayern fans, and and I I know many of them. They have honestly become almost immune to winning the Bundesliga. They they don't even they, they 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 don't even get excited about it anymore. When Pep Guardiola came over from Barcelona, it was to continue what Jupp Heynckes did in 2013, which was win the treble, win the Champions League. Hell, don't even you don't even have to. They'd rather win the Champions League than to win the league at this point because it, it, it would at least give the the rub to a different Bundesliga team of winning the league and then you know Bayern can be kings of Europe that's that's that, that's what they that's what Pep Guardiola was brought in to do a lot of Bayern fans see Pep Guardiola as not a failure but not having accomplished the mission at Bayern that he was brought in to do so then we skip over to Manchester City who has far more financial ability than Bayern and that's hard to say i can't believe you can say that but they do yeah. and here he is. I give last season absolutely gets a pass. He had to he had to do certain things, get certain people in. But as you said, Stan, shout out to Kevin De Bruyne for Player of the Year and for all these other awards. This was absolutely a side that was built and was destined to win the Champions League. And I did not hear 
except for you know people that played for Liverpool or supported Liverpool. No one gave them a shot in that Manchester City fixture, and it's going to go down as the greatest defeat, in my opinion, to this date, unless something else happens. That 3-0 at Anfield is the worst night of Pep Guardiola's life. So I deem this season as a failure because what they set out to do was to win the Champions League, and they didn't even come close to doing that. Uh, Jack, I'll let you answer what you think on that. I mean, it's so hard. This goes back to the conversation we were having about Zidane earlier. The standards for some of these clubs are just so insane. Like, if you don't win everything in a season, it's a failure. I mean, like, not every club can win every. I mean, some club has to be disappointed at the end of the day. You know what I mean? I mean? Even looking at the Premier League, you know, Arsenal's in sixth place. And they're, they're a team that absolutely has to be in the Champions League. But there's at least six great teams in the Premier League, right? Man City, Man U, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal. Like, I mean, somebody has to be on the outside looking in. Um, and, and I do think Man City has accomplished a lot this season. Although, I, I mean, I think, I think from my perspective, it may not be a failed season. But I think similar to what you were saying about Bayern Munich fans, I think from Man City's perspective, it probably is. Because this is a team now that has, that has won you know, the Premier League a couple times recently mm-hmm. in recent seasons this is a, this is a team that's won a couple of the domestic cups the thing that they really care about the thing that they're looking at the most is the champions league um and not only did they fail to do that but they failed to do it in pretty you know convincing fashion to liverpool who had also you know put in a good performance against them early in the season it was just it, it, it was it was a strange situation but um i don't know I, I think pep guardiola is a phenomenal manager i think he gets maybe a little bit too much hate for not reaching the mountaintop um, with Bayern Munich, as we're in the midst of you know this this sort of peak Real Madrid, Cristiano Ronaldo phase, but um, yeah, I mean at some point when you have the kind of money that they have, I mean nothing else than a championship is is acceptable, and and that's kind of what you sign on for when you go to a team like Man City, and you know that going in there, and um, I mean those are the expectations. I don't think if you're Pep, you can really can complain about it if people criticize you because that's 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 the job that you took. Very well said, Jack. Very well said. Well, guys, we've talked about pretty much everything that was talked about in Europe this past week. Uh, I know we left a few things out, um, but we'll get to those next week. Guys, I, I want to thank both of you uh, from the bottom of my heart for being here. You guys have been fantastic. Uh, great group of guests, as always. Jack, uh, real quick, tell people where they can find you on social media and tell them real quickly about the Schalke podcast. Well, first of all, it was it was a blast to be here. It's great to talk about something other than just Schalke um, all the time. So I, I greatly appreciate the invite. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as for where you can find me on social media, uh, J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Um, and then also, yes, the, uh, the FC Schalke No Fear podcast um, uh, that, I, that I do with Richard Carmen. Uh, we, we usually do an episode pretty much every week um, that there is a, a Schalke match. So you can, you can, if you're interested in Schalke or you're interested in just um, other podcasts specific to German teams that are in the English language, which there are not too many of at this point, um, yeah, feel free to give us a listen. Um, and you can follow us at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. And we'll see you there. Awesome. And I, like I said, highly recommend the Schalke podcast. Uh, fantastic what you and Richard do. And everybody that's, uh, I mean, if you're just a fan of the Bundesliga and you want some insight on, on you know, if you're playing Schalke the next week, uh, these guys break break everything down and uh, they'll tell you what to expect from the Royal Blues. Uh, Stan, tell people uh, about what you're working on recently and where they can find you on social media. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's me, gentlemen. Uh, uh, it's going to take a hot second. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> on Twitter, you can find me at StanWhite87. I know it sounds like the color white, but my last name is spelled with a Y. So if you type in <laughs> W-H-Y-T-E, it's Stan White, W-H-Y-T-E, 87. That's it. Boom. Cool. All right. Uh, next topic of uh, shout-outs. I've given 15 already in this podcast. And um, we're out of time. What do you know? <laughs> You're pushing it, Stan. I, I know, I know. Quick, real quick, um, twofoottalk.wordpress.com. Uh, uh, that's a website that my buddy Anthony Sherpa has um, started. We're, we're uh, a new blog site. We're just talking about world football all over the place, Europe, all over Europe, and U.S. football. Um, shout out to Bruce Arena. Fuck you. Um, yeah, super talk at WordPress.com. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. I'll stop there because I could go more, but um, I'm, I'm good. Well, guys, thank you so much. It has been a blast. Again, this is the Kings of Europe podcast on the foresight.com. Uh, that's where you can find us for right now uh, on iTunes at uh, under the forecast. That's F O A R C A S T. And uh, again, visit the, visit the, uh, the site, www.foresight.com. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for being here. Stan, thank you so much for being here. This has been the Kings of Europe, and we will see you guys again next week.